Hello, and welcome to another episode of Welfare. I'm Amy Lane, and each week we break down the barriers to running so you can get more from your time in your trainers. I'm currently taking an extended break to learn how to juggle a toddler and a newborn, but that doesn't mean you have to rest up too. So I thought it would be handy to revisit some of our most loved and most listened to episodes from the past seasons. The advice and expertise is as useful today as it was back then. So prepare yourself for the cracking tips from the experts around the globe. Together, we'll help you reach your running goals this year. Today's episode is a rerun from season one, and it's a fabulous mix of expert advice and inspiring run chats, plus a 16-week guide tailored to support your marathon journey. So if you've started 2022 with that goal in mind, or if you are just keen to run for fun, then we are here to help you through. Keep up the good work, and when you start flagging, why not get involved in the Welfare Strava Club, or support each other from afar on Instagram? using the hashtag welfare. I hope you enjoy this episode and I really hope it helps you to keep going welfare this year. Welcome to Welfare, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. There is so much advice in this week's podcast, so keep listening because I have some great tips and tricks coming up for you. everyone and welcome back to well far um a shout out to all the guys girls and dogs listening to my podcast whilst out on a run i am enjoying your posts on instagram so much it's been a busy old week it seems for so many of you um a quick shout out to abby sadler 95 who shared a post this week which really resonated with me and she said that she'd been really struggling with her running recently but that she realised that she needed to stop beating herself up when things don't go so well or maybe not to plan because most importantly she needs to remember that why she's putting herself through this and that's to raise money for the wonderful charity that is Cancer Research. So if you guys have been having a tough time over the past week don't forget why you signed up to the marathon Perhaps it's to raise money for charity or perhaps it's just to conquer the 26.2. So if the times and the splits aren't going to plan, don't worry. Keep those other things in sight. And it's actually something I've been thinking about for the past week too. Um, I've had the biggest life change. Last weekend, I got married. Um, Some of you might have seen it spammed all over my Instagram. Hashtag wellnesswed. It was quite possibly the best day of my life. We did organise it all though within 10 weeks. So it meant that over the past 10 weeks, whilst I have been marathon training, I've had to kind of be quite kind on myself when I haven't been able to get in all of my runs or perhaps maybe I haven't hit my speeds. But it also was a big reminder of why I run. 
And that happened because I did go out for a run on my wedding day. I rounded up all my bridesmaids and we went for, I don't know, a couple of K run up the road as the sun was coming up. And it was the most beautiful moment. But I had so many people message me to say, I can't believe you're running on your wedding day. And my response to that was, why not? I run to feel good these days. It wasn't always the case. I did get into running in my early 20s as a way of having the body which I wanted, I suppose, at the time. Um, I was a student in London and I couldn't afford a fancy gym membership or classes or anything which really costs money. So I used to put on my trainers and I used to go for a run in North London and do hill sprints. And it was my way of keeping fit and burning calories. And then as I got a bit older and I found other fitness, I then actually fell out of love with running because I wasn't the fastest and I didn't go the furthest. And it was the competitive nature of it which made me fall out of love with it. But around a year and a half ago, I got back into running. And I got back into running because I got offered a marathon place, but also because at the time I was having a pretty tough time. Um, I've sadly lost a few people in my life to um, depression and suicide. And I really struggled to process all of that. But I found that when I was running, I got my thoughts together and just being outside in open spaces really, really helped. So running for me became less about the physical fitness and more about the mental fitness. And I suppose that's what's kept me running. And so when it got to my wedding day and I realized I wanted to feel good and I needed to shake off the kind of the panic and the anxiety that I was having because it really is the biggest day of my life, I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do more than get outside of the house where people were fussing and it was all a bit busy to the great open countryside with my girls by my side and we just ran and we chatted and we laughed and we had the best time. So in that moment, running was everything I wanted it to be. It was getting my heart pumping, it was helping me get over any negativity and it was making me feel good. So that's what got me into running and why I, why I keep running. But you don't just want to hear about why I run, you also want to hear about why other people run. So coming up in this episode, I go on a run with an amazing London PT called Esme. Esme has a brilliant and inspiring story to share. She went from thinking she would never be able to run to running the London Marathon and has recently just been in SAS on telly. So listen to her story because it is brilliant and inspiring. And then I also head into the studio with Anita Bean to talk about running nutrition because that is one of the things which you tell me you guys want to know about most. So whilst running nutrition probably wasn't the top of my agenda for the past week with so much champagne and wedding cake, it is the top of yours. So let's head into the studio with Anita, let's go on a run with Esme and let's all go well far this week. I 
am here in the studio with Anita Bean and we're about to start talking about how to use food to fuel miles and miles of running. I know that you guys are rather concerned and anxious about this, so I'm going to get straight into our chat and find out all the information which you want to know. So here goes. Hi, Anita. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for coming in. And so food and running, it is such a massive topic. Without a doubt. And when people start training up for a marathon, the first thing they tend to think about is all the running that they need to do. And it's all too easy to forget about the fuel. So Mm. with a lot of people that I've worked with, that tends to come very late in the day. And you're doing absolutely the right thing, Amy, and that is thinking about your training, the physical side of things, as well as the fueling side of things right at the beginning. Because what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, all of these things can make a massive difference to your performance, to your Mm. recovery, and that's really is key, and to your health and keeping you free of illness and free of injury. And um, all these things are absolutely crucial. So it's not just about fueling for the big day. It's about looking after your health, facilitating muscle recovery and muscle Mm. adaptations all the way along your muscle training or your, your marathon training journey. As a marathon runner, or indeed as any other kind of runner, your body needs to be in really good condition in order for your body to improve and adapt to the stimulus of running. So it is imperative that you put in the best quality fuel for your body in order for it to run those 26.2 miles. Where should all of the runners be starting with their weekly food slash fuel planning at the moment? Okay, first thing that you need to appreciate when you start running Mm. is that your body will need more energy or calories and it will need more nutrients. In other words, you'll need more of absolutely everything. So we're not talking about restrictions or cutting things out or trying to drop certain food categories. So that's the number one thing to remember. The next thing you need to do is to prioritise your eating. So that means planning in advance and really being very organised. In other words, planning the meals that you will have during the week. Therefore, that means you will ensure that you have all the right foods in your kitchen and then you won't be resorting to pasta and sauce to ready meals or grabbing something on the way back from work. So it's really important that you're organised, you've got everything to hand. So when it comes to planning a balanced diet for a runner, okay, there is no perfect diet, but there are some general guidelines that I can give you. The easiest way... Yes, please. Right, (laughs) and it's easy. Okay, so the easiest way to think about planning the right diet to support your running is to think about food in four basic categories. The first category, that's your fruit and veg. We all know about five a day, but what you've really got to emphasise is the variety. So think about eating a rainbow of colours and that way you'll be getting all the vitamins, the minerals and the phytonutrients. So that's all the plant chemicals that have beneficial health properties plus the fibre. Now all of these things are really important for supporting the muscle adaptations after your runs. So five a day but more would be better. The second category to put onto your plate would be your carbohydrates. Mm. Now don't think ever about cutting out carbohydrates. Carbs are your muscles preferred fuel and put great big underline under preferred fuel because they are the most 
efficient fuel. They are broken down more efficiently. They will yield more energy per litre of oxygen that you consume when you're running. So carbohydrates will always give you energy faster. They will allow you to run faster. So, of course, we're talking about your oats, your pasta, your porridge, your potatoes, sweet potatoes, bananas. Emphasise the whole grains rather than the more refined and white versions. So the emphasis is is really more on the, the natural form of carbohydrates. The third category to think about are your high protein foods. So obviously your proteins would include dairy, meat, fish, if that's if you are a meat eater. And it would also include pulses like beans and lentils, as well as soya products and nuts and seeds. A whole variety is really is key here. But you will need more compared to a non-runner. The optimum amount is around about 20 to 25 grams per meal if you want to stimulate maximal muscle recovery, muscle repair and so on after running. And then the final category, your healthy fats, so it's your nuts, your seeds, your avocados, mm. oily fish and olive oil, of course. So you need some of these, but obviously in smaller quantities. So that's the, the best way to think about your meal. Have I got those three main components in my breakfast, in my lunch, in my dinner? And is there a little bit of healthy fats? So that's the, the easiest way to plan your diet as a runner. Because you just mentioned that about 25 grams of protein per meal is a, is a good guideline for most people. I once heard that if you ate over 30 grams of protein in a meal that your body can't really process it and actually you just end up storing it anyway. Is that? Mm, that's a really common myth actually. Oh You're, is it? <laughs> yes, so the truth is that your body will absorb all the pro- protein that you consume. So even if you consume 50 or 100 grams of protein, you'll still absorb it. It's just that to get maximal muscle building, around about 20-25 grams and if you, you can work out on a per kilogram basis, it's around about 0.25 grams per kilogram of your body weight. So the heavier you are, the more protein. But once you go above that, you can't keep on building muscle. So you won't use that protein for muscle synthesis. It will then be converted into other compounds and used ultimately as an energy source in the way that you would use carbs, for example. Um, So you can consume that protein. It's just that it's not going to go into your muscles. It won't make you stronger. It won't make you have bigger muscles and it won't make you run faster either. (laughs) (laughs) God, that is so helpful because there is so many products out there at the moment which are all labelled high protein and have something like 70 grams of protein upwards. And so you think as a consumer, you're doing the best possible thing by taking on the most protein as possible in one sitting. I I mean, protein really has got this massive health halo. I think it's almost like a backlash from the fat and from the sugar. They've all been dismissed and demonised. And now, of course, we need protein. It's an essential nutrient. It has many, many beneficial effects on the body, but it's not a case of the more the better. It has literally become marketing hype. So whilst you need a certain amount, you don't need to overconsume protein. And then the final thing that I will say about that is that you can get all your protein from food. Yeah. You don't need to have protein from a supplement, certainly not as a runner. You shouldn't be having a restrictive diet anyway. And you can still, even if you're a vegan, you can still get all the protein that you need from a well-balanced, you know, a planned diet. Yeah, so if you're not having a protein shake, it's not the end of the world because you can no. just be eating it all. No, absolutely. I think obviously there, there has been this trend for eating high protein. Um 
but there really is only so much food you consume in a day. So if you're overeating on one food group, the chances are you're undereating on another. And I know in the past that perhaps I've maybe done that and I've overeaten on protein and fats and undereaten on carbs. But when it came to my marathon training last year, I realised how important carbs are for running. Yes, I mean, I've already alluded to the fact that carbs are a really important fuel for your muscles. But it's important, obviously, to get the amount right and to get the timing right. In terms of the amount, the more active you are, and certainly the more high intensity running you're doing, the more fast running you're doing. So for those fast bursts, you do need carbs because... If you have got low carbohydrate stores in your body or low blood sugar levels, then you are literally knocking out your top gear. You can, It really does impede or impair your ability to break down carbohydrates and to produce energy fast enough for your needs. And the result is that you will be a slower runner. You'll find it difficult to accelerate difficult to run up hills and so on. So it's really important that you don't restrict your carbs, particularly not before those types of sessions. So obviously day-to-day carbohydrates are important. If you're having a really active day, you'll need to have more food, more carbohydrate. If you don't, you'll feel tired, fatigued and recovery will be difficult. But if you are having a really easy day, a lazy day, you're, you're recovering and you're not very active, then obviously you just consume slightly less food but I will just say do listen to your body don't overthink it don't try and you know listen to your your gadgets and fitness my fitness pal Um, I don't believe in trackers actually no no I definitely believe that people should exercise common sense first and foremost and secondly Mm. to educate themselves to listen to their own body and to trust their own body it's generally beneficial to eat before a long run. So whilst it's okay to run faster, if it's a shortish run, anything less than an hour, you'll probably be okay if that's how you if you prefer to run light. So a lot of people will like to run in the morning first thing mm. before breakfast. And that's fine. But if you are planning to do your long run, and I'm talking about anything over 60 to 90 minutes, yeah. it's definitely beneficial to eat beforehand. So pre-exercise meal, the best time is about three or four hours beforehand because it gives your body enough time to begin digesting that food and for some of that energy to then go into your bloodstream, get delivered to your muscles. If you eat a big meal too close to your running, well, guess what? (laughs) You're going to feel pretty uncomfortable Mm. and heavy. If you get up on a Sunday, and so a lot of people at the moment are setting off at around 8am for their Sunday run day. Yeah. Um, but they're probably not getting up before six on a Sunday and they've only got that two-hour window. What's a good food or good meal that they could be having then? Okay, so if it's if it's a long run, so again, we're talking about yeah. one hour plus, um, firstly, make sure that you have fueled up well the day before. So your Saturday night yeah. is then going to be really important, getting in your carbs and your protein, so a really good healthy meal to make sure that your glycogen stores are full in your muscles and then it's less critical about really fueling up too much at eight o'clock okay. in the morning. So obviously you don't want to be getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning to have a a hearty breakfast or anything. But I would definitely advise having something small. So something like a banana. It could be a handful of dried fruit. It could be one of these fruit, but like a dried fruit bar. Some people will just have a a small amount of porridge or some other kind of cereal, a small slice of toast with honey. So something like that will just stave off the hunger 
raise your blood sugar levels and make you feel better. And that's critical. You'll you'll feel better on your run. Yeah. If you're a marathon trainer, you'll definitely need to get used to the, the feeling of having some food inside of you when you're running because there's no way you can do a marathon completely on emptying without refueling. So now yeah. is the time on those long runs, practice running with a little bit of food, start small and build up gradually. You're literally training your gut so you get accustomed to that feeling of, of food and then your, your digestive system adapts, it makes more enzymes and it just becomes more efficient. Because that leads us on quite nicely. So what's your best advice for fueling on runs? Is it is there kind of, if you go over 45 minutes, you need to be taking on food and if so, how much? And do we really all need to be having running gels? If you are running for longer than about an hour or so, so again, we're talking about 60 to 90 minutes, that's crucial because that's when your glycogen stores in your muscles and your liver start to become significantly depleted. And right. when they become depleted, fatigue sets in, you'll have to slow down your pace, you may need to stop altogether. So we want to prevent that scenario. So you should start refueling before you hit rock bottom. Now, obviously, it will depend on your pace. Now, the types of foods that would, or, or fuels, I should say, to, to take with you. This is where <clears throat> everything you know about nutrition falls apart. You don't <laughs> need to be having complex, high nutrient dense foods when you're out running. It's really, it's the simple carbs that you need at this point. So your sugar, we're talking about sugars. Yeah. So of course, they're no good for your teeth. And of course, they don't provide any other nutrients. But when you're running, they're actually really beneficial for your performance because they're absorbed fast. They're getting into your blood fast, they'll get to your muscles fast. And in other words, they'll allow you to keep going longer at your chosen pace. Right. So you could take real foods. It's really up to you. You could take real foods or you could take sports nutrition products. So the type of real foods that I favour, and these are the kind of things that I use and I advise all of my clients to try would be things like bananas, dates or other types of dried food okay. but I do like making homemade bars and balls and my own version of energy bars and balls um, they're so so easy works out cheaper very simple ingredients so it's essentially a mixture of dried fruit and nuts you grind them all together in yeah. a food process and make them into balls but you can also take confectionery like jelly babies are a real favorite okay. amongst runners or jelly beans but you literally any kind of sugar that that's easy that's convenient would be absolutely fine it's quite personal so you've got to try different things during training okay. and then on the sports nutrition side of things you mentioned gels yes well of course they're heavily promoted and it's so easy for runners to think that they need these products. The truth is you don't need them. They are not essential for your running. They simply offer you convenience. With gels, not everybody gets on well with them because they are very concentrated in sugars. They're quite gloopy. They just don't sit well in everyone's stomach. Some people love them, some people hate them. So make sure that you've got a really good fueling strategy before you start and you know exactly when you should be eating or drinking what. <laughs> um, and sugar is your friend because a lot of people have actually messaged to say, I've given up sugar. So how can I fuel on my long runs? But okay, what you've just said is we need the sugar. Yes, absolutely. It does concern me hugely that so many people, including runners, are 
adopting these rather restrictive food practices for no good reason. And uh, of course, you know, sugar's not good for our teeth, but it doesn't mean that we've got to ban all types of sugar. The most worrying thing is when people are then cutting out fruit and dried Mm. fruit. There is no science whatsoever to support cutting out perfectly good things like that. So we've just touched on so much food there and eating, um, eating the right food so you feel good in yourself and you feel good running. But for everyone who's listening in who's still a bit confused about how to put that into meals, what recipes out of two of your best-selling cookbooks, the Runner's Cookbook and also the Vegetarian Athlete's Cookbook, would you suggest that people start cooking now to fuel their fitness? Okay, well, I believe that cooking should be really easy, really simple, nothing complex. You don't need to be adding kale and kia seeds to all of your food so that's the first thing i'll send you again lots of reassurance there so the kind of meals that be perhaps suitable before or even immediately after run for recovery a quick meal would be pad thai so it's a noodle dish that you'd add lots of colorful vegetables and some tofu to that but obviously if you're a meat eater there's recipes in there with chicken so pad thai would be really good another example i love making dals mainly because you can make them in larger quantities and then you keep the rest for later so you've then got an instant meal for the next two or three days so dal is basically lentils but i do add lots of colorful vegetables to them like butternut squash onions red peppers yellow peppers so you can make them super healthy but the thing is so easy to make seriously um i love making chickpea stews and curries um so obviously apart from chickpeas but it's a great opportunity to add in spinach or some kind of green vegetable you can add in another bright vegetable light butternut squash or sweet potatoes the sweet potatoes goes really well with chickpeas or with black beans literally all of these are one pot meals so that makes life easy in the kitchen there's not much washing up you can make big amounts and then you've got enough food for at least a couple of days or for lunch the next day and do they freeze down okay Yep, all of them can be frozen. So all of these meals will have a good mixture of the proteins and the carbohydrates Mm. that you need, as well as all the fruit and veg. So when we talked about planning that runner's meal, again, you've just got everything all in one pot, all on one plate, provided you follow the the right basic rules, then you've also got a lot of leeway and versatility. For everyone who's running the marathon this year, or in fact running a half marathon or is just on a a running journey, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Slight danger of sounding like a stuck record. I'll say it's really important to practice during training because practice makes perfect and therefore you'd need to develop a fueling and hydration plan so you know that you'll turn up at your race very confident that you know that you've fueled correctly and that you know that if you're doing a long race like a marathon exactly mm. how it's going to go that rings true with me i actually do remember last year getting to about week 7 of my marathon training and i was on my longer runs and I got home and I looked at my splits and I was like, why am I slowing down so much mm. around miles seven yeah. and eight? And then somebody helped me out and they said to me, well, maybe you need to try fueling earlier yeah. because you're burning through everything. And so yes. I tried that yeah. and I now fuel around five miles and that works okay. for me. So yeah, that 
is such good advice. (laughs) So thank you very much for sharing all of your wealth of knowledge to do with food and fuel and what we should all be eating. For everyone who's listening in who wants to get in touch with you or follow you for your recipes and just some more advice really, what's the best place? Okay, well, there's my website, which is anitabean.co.uk. And on my website, lots of free articles, lots of free recipes on there and Mm. also contact details. You can find me on Instagram, anitabean1. And you can find me on Twitter, at Anita Bean. Great. And you'll be at the Marathon Expo as I, well. Yes, I'm the nutritionist for the London Marathon, so I'll be there at the Expo all four days. I'll be on stage giving many talks, something like 20 talks over those four days, <laughs> quite regularly. Uh, it's great fun. It's, it's just a brilliant opportunity to meet lots of other like-minded runners, actually. But come and say hello to me at the Expo. I'll also be at Meet the Experts, um, the London Marathon event. It's always great to meet lots of lovely runners. So much for people to sink their teeth into. <laughs> terrible pun to end it thank you so much and thanks guys for listening in hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com so everyone today's run chat is with the incredible Esme, who you guys might recognise off Instagram as Esme London. Um, She is a PT celebrity trainer and motivational speaker. She's also on SAS at the moment and has an incredible story. So here we go. Today's run chat with Esme. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) We're doing this. So Esme, you are currently a London fitness professional, but... Mm -hmm. There was a time when you thought you'd never be able to even walk a yeah, yeah. let alone be able to teach classes. Do you know what? That's so weird because this August is actually going to be 10 years ago. Like oh, my God. Did you have an accident? Can you share to share a bit about your story for everyone listening in? Yeah, so what basically happened was um, I had a hernia. I grew up dancing and I went to have it repaired before I went to dance college. And I had a reaction to um, either the anaesthetic or the anti-sickness drugs and... I basically seizured for about eight hours and it left me paralysed from waist down. Oh my God. Yeah. And so did you wake up and you just couldn't move? Yeah, it was quite strange really because the first three days, like, I was very out of it. My short-term memory wasn't really there, like, my speech, and I just wasn't, like, really with it. So it wasn't a case of I woke up from the operation and I was like, oh my God, I'm paralysed. The only way to describe it is, you know, when you're drunk and you're sobering up slowly and slowly. So I didn't have that shock moment. It kind of slowly like developed in my head. That must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was crazy. And like, how long were you in hospital for? So in total, I was there for three weeks. Right. Um, and that was doing like rehab, and that was quite difficult because mentally I felt completely with it and there, I just couldn't walk. So they actually let me leave after three weeks. Just I could only put one foot in front of the other, and I had a wheelchair. Like, you know, if I needed it. Um, but my rehab wasn't like finished. It was just like, right, if you can put one foot in front of the other, let's get you out. Because it's not a very nice place to be, is it? 
No. And at the time, did they say, you're not going to be able to exercise again and this is it? Or? Yeah, like there wasn't really a um, like, crucial moment where the doctor actually said that I wasn't going to walk again. And I get why he said it now. It's because, you know, progressively everything was coming back. My speech was coming back, my like, short-term memory was coming back. And then just from waist down, it stopped. And I think your body heals in a progressive way and it just stopped in like day four, day five, day six. And it was kind of like, you know, if you're going to walk, you surely would have started getting better with the rest of the things. So that's when you know, there was a moment where it was like, this is it. In that moment, did you decide that that wasn't going to be it? Yeah. Or, do you know what? Genuinely, like, I knew, I don't know why and what it was, but I knew I was going to walk again. I just knew that this wasn't like the life for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I knew, I was like, I'm going to walk again. Like I will make certain of it. And was the road to recovery quite long? Yeah, but there was the mental side that took longer. It completely dropped my confidence. That took years. My confidence was really knocked. I was so like insecure. I didn't believe in myself. That was the hardest part. And I dealt with like an emotion that I'd never really dealt with, which was resentment and jealousy resentment and jealousy of other people doing yeah. what I wanted to do especially dance the dancing side of it right. I remember my friends we were all meant to go off to dance college together I mean we'd been training together since we were kids and the dance school that we went to we trained there to go to college that was the end goal right. so you finish at 18 and you all go off to dance college and they all went and I remember it's horrible thinking now but I remember I couldn't even like look at them on Facebook like if they posted them at college or I couldn't even look, I couldn't even like it. And I hate that because that's something I'm not about. And my mum always raised me in a very good way about, you know, jealousy and competition is not, you know, use it healthily. I think that's quite normal. It was born out of frustration, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah. Not being able to do all the things. And so at what point did you then decide, obviously you went through recovery and you were able to walk again and move and exercise. Yeah. And then at what point did you decide to train to help others in their exercise and become a PT? So what it was, was I actually got offered a disability allowance to not go to work. And I was like, my brother's disabled, he's got special needs and he can't work. And he'd do anything to work. He'd do absolutely anything. And I thought, I can't take disability allowance and my brain's all there. I can do everything, I just can't walk. So I took an office job so I could sit down all day. And then while I was doing that, I knew I wanted to get into fitness because you know, fitness had played a massive part in my recovery but I'd also learned so much about the mind and about how training the mind can run parallel with your life outside the gym. And so I took my uh, qualification online um, and waited until I was physically able to do the physical part of it. Yeah, and I just knew. And as soon as I passed that, I went and got a job straight in a gym to do my level three, so the next part, the personal training part. But I think, yeah, the decision came from thinking, if I could teach myself to walk again, surely I can motivate people to do a press up. And, and you can motivate people to do a press-up. I have seen you in action. And then that's obviously, you've now been a PT and a trainer to lots of women in London and celebrity clients. Mm. But then in your own journey, you then towed the starting line at London Marathon last year, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, oh my God. Which I remember being on that start line. <laughs> we and seeing, start together, yeah. Yeah, seeing you in the pen and it was amazing. <laughs> and you just said, I can't believe I'm here because at one point I thought... I'd never be able to walk, and yeah. here I am about to run the London Marathon. God, I give me goosebumps even thinking of that. But yeah, that experience was really, really, um, you know, personal to me. After I got paralysed, I couldn't run anymore. I went out for my first run about a year, 
after I got paralysed. And I used to run all the time. I used to do five k's before school every day. I loved it. And um, I went out for a run and my right leg went dead while I was running, like fatigued and went really heavy. And I just remember thinking, no way. And I'd gone about a kilometre and I've got the map where it shows me I go down and stop. And I remember thinking, nah, I have not come this far to deal with another problem. And I just gave up running. I gave it up and I thought, do you know what? I can do everything else but run. I just won't run ever again. That's what went through my head. I was defeated. And a few years passed and I only actually started running again about a year before the marathon. Oh my God. Yeah, so I started my journey. I didn't know I had a marathon spot and I hadn't applied. And um, I started running again and basically my mum said to me, you can teach yourself to walk again, you can teach yourself to run. And I thought, oh God, God's sake, mum. Here we go, here we go yeah. again. <laughs> and I thought, do you know what though, she's right. So I got myself out and I used to just run and if my leg went dead, I'd push it and carry it on. And you know, I tried to create sort of habit in my body that if this goes dead, we still keep going. And then Twice the Health offered me a spot on their team for the marathon in January. And I remember sitting there looking at my phone for like five minutes and just being like, do you know what? I've only started running again so about you, six months ago. Let's just go for it. So you were quite a beginner, to be honest. Oh, mate, yeah, like, I hadn't run for, like, seven years. Wow. And then you started training in January. Yeah, well, I'd started doing little runs, but I started marathon training in January, just before it. So when I got to, like, the sort of start line, I just remember thinking, if I can run a marathon, then I can officially say... I'm not paralysed anymore, you know, I'm not that girl anymore. It was kind of like a character change for me. Just before it, I'd been out on runs where I'd had to get in a taxi home. Because what would happen, my leg would go dead and I'd run through it. And I remember doing like a big long run, about 17 or 18 miles. I was with my mate Jamie and he had to piggyback me down. This is just before, probably two weeks before the marathon. And he had to piggyback me down the stairs because when I say my leg went dead, what would happen is it just, I couldn't drive it. So I couldn't even lift the knee. So when I'd sit down on a chair afterwards, I couldn't lift my leg up. I had no power to drive my knee up. That was devastating. I remember about three days following it as well, my leg was dead and to the point where I was, say, sitting in a car, I'd have to pick my leg up and pull it in. And it really, really knocked my confidence before the marathon. And then, like I said, I just would go out again. I went out again and I just thought, do you know what? If I walk it, whatever, whatever happens, I'm going to cross that line. And it's funny how you'll get that, you'll know this a lot, how people say, oh, what time did you run the marathon in? Yeah. And you're like, have you ever run a marathon? They're like, no, I'm like, so what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what that means. What do you mean by how long? It's, it's, it's horrible, actually. This is ego, I suppose. You almost want to say, oh, I did it in X amount of time, but this, this and this. But, you know, and that was something that I was like, you're going to cross that finish line with your head held high, no matter what time you do because no one knows your story and no one knows what you've been through and they don't need to know because it's your story. That, I think that's such a great point and I think that will really resonate with so many people listening in because actually even I do the same so yeah. when I talk about my marathon experience last year and I'm like it was great because I didn't run for a time. Yeah. Yeah so what time did you do it in? Well I, I wasn't running for a yeah. time <laughs> and, but suddenly in that sentence the marathon is somewhat slightly downplayed because 100%. what you actually don't talk about when you say that is not even just the four hours or more that it took to run or whatever 
it's the weeks leading up and the effort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the marathon day is such a small snapshot of all the work you've put <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. And you forget about that, or maybe we just don't talk about it enough. That's another thing as well, is it's so easy just to go, oh, what time did you get? But you don't know minute by minute, second by second of that time, what I was going through, you know? It's so true. <laughs> and then another massive thing you've recently gone through is SAS. <laughs> How was it? Do you know what? It was one of the best decisions I ever made, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. In terms of like the TV show yeah. and what I did, I'm trying to separate the two. What I went through there, that was back in September, and what they show in January are two separate things. And that was because it is quite frustrating to watch it on TV. And you know, they've only got 40 minutes a night to show 48 hours. And when I say 48 hours, I think people don't believe when I say we were doing something every minute of the day. It wasn't like, all right, everyone have six hours and then we're gonna go and climb a mountain and film you and all right, cut, let's just everyone run past the camera again. It couldn't have been more real. Every minute of being there was something going on. We didn't know what was happening. They really, really got us into the, the role of it. And then what they do is take out what they want to use. So it's very easy to sort of watch it and think, oh, it's only this and it's only that. But I mean, it was 21 hour days of brutal things happening, you know? And how did you prepare for that, like mentally and physically? So it's funny, really. You get sent this training program, right? I think every recruit will say it. Nothing will prepare you for that. Nothing, like physically. You can be fit, and like, you can get yourself fitter and fitter and fitter, but you've got to um, take into consideration we're at altitude. You can't prepare for altitude. You don't know how you're going to react. You'll be the fittest person in the world, and it could get you. Um, cold conditions, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, anxiety, stress, you know, all of that. It doesn't matter how physically fit you are and how much you train, you don't know how you're going to react to those things. And how did you react? Yeah. To, to be honest, I felt like I got my head down and I got it done. Again, with the TV show and watching it, I mean, you lot don't want to see someone just get their head down and get it done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm a bit of X Factor. No, I'm joking, but the anxiety was the worst part. The anxiety was horrible. When you're there, you have schedule and control taken away from you, right? You do not know what you're going to be doing in a minute, in, 30, in 10 seconds. You could be sitting there and within a minute, you could be in a plank in a blizzard. Nothing is prepared. They do not say nothing. And time doesn't matter. It don't matter if it's night or day. Night isn't bedtime anymore. It's just night. Do you know what I mean? That was what was hard, was coming out of my schedule and being under the control of someone else. But it's changed me. Really? Yeah. I have realised since I've been back that I live in the minute now. I used to, and I know people do now, like worry all the time. And like my sister says to me, like, worry is a waste of imagination. Oh. And I love that. Yeah. Because <laughs> how many times do you make up a situation in your head and a scenario and then you live it as well? You're like having a fight with someone in your head and they haven't even started on you. Yeah. And then you see them, they're like, hi, how are you? And you're like, you're joking, I just spent an hour having a fight with you in my head and you're even ready for me. Get your fists up. And I just think, what a waste of an hour when you could be spending that hour thinking of good things or preparing yourself for other things that are positive. Are the backpacks the same weight, men yeah. and women? They are. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, boy, didn't I know it. So, I was going to say, that's like half your body weight or just yeah. shy of it. So it's 23 kilos on our back and there was no exceptions. And 
I happen to be the smallest and the lightest in there. Yeah, so I carried the same rucksack as everybody else. And I'm not saying that um, no one else like deserves like what they got. I'm not saying that they weren't tough. They were bloody tough. But when you compare sort of in ratio, like my height and weight to like six foot four James's height and weight with the same Bergen going up the same mountain, that for me was positive though. I wasn't negative. Some people could go, excuse, excuse, excuse. For me, I'm like, I still made it to the top. Yeah. And that's what I love is every challenge that I did, I finished. Um, yeah, I wasn't at the front and I wasn't so far at the back and I didn't actually keep anyone waiting either. I got my head down and I still got up that same mountain as everyone else with the same weight on my back and that for me is a positive. That's such a positive. Do you think that focus does come a bit from everything you've been through? Because you've obviously you've spoken about the fact that so many times in your life you've just had to put your mind to something and mm. make it happen. Yeah, you know, like I said at the beginning, this was 10 years ago now. What I love is I think that was the start of my journey, recovering from being paralysed. And over the past 10 years, I've gone through things like everybody goes through. And that has just built and built and built and built from being paralysed. I've got stronger and stronger, but that was my start point, definitely. And do you have your eyes set on any more challenges? Yeah. <laughs> do you? I just like, I'm obsessed now. Like, it's really sadistic, but I love being like in pain. <laughs> like I love being in a position where like I'm suffering and then I get myself out of it. I love it. It's the best feeling. That's why exercise is so incredible. Like you can willingly put yourself in a plank position. And if you want to get out, you just drop your knees. Yeah. Like how amazing is that? You've got an opportunity every day to put yourself in a vulnerable position and either beat it or give up and find out about yourself. And that's why people should do it more. People shouldn't exercise to get six packs and you know, all of this stuff. People should exercise because they learn about themselves. And when you learn about yourself, you can utilize it in your everyday life. And is that what you try and put in your classes? 100%. Honestly, I couldn't care less about how you look. That's science. When people thank me, thanks for helping me get into my wedding dress, thanks for my six pack. I'm like, no, you did that. All I did was make you feel like you could do it and make you remember you could do it. You know. I don't change people's bodies, I don't change people's lives. I just make them feel safe, secure and comfortable in themselves to go and change their life. So, a little birdie's told me that you are thinking of running this year's marathon as oh, well hi. now. It's happening girl, it's happening. Um, it's in the diary. It's in the diary. In. I got offered a spot and I remember again, same situation, sitting there thinking, oh do I? And I had this moment where I thought, are you joking? Did you just sit and say, should I or should I not run a marathon when you've been given a spot? There's so many people that wait for spots and they don't get them. And more importantly, is my 18-year-old self in a wheelchair had seen my future self, look at an email saying, you've got a spot on the marathon, should I or shouldn't do it? She would be fuming. <laughs> she would be like, you're joking. I don't treat running as exercise and I don't mean to say because it's too easy for me, no way at all. I treat it as, you know, almost like meditation or time with me because I just plod along and get it done. Like I said, I'm not, I can't do all the running and the quicker I go, the quicker my leg will go dead. But for now, I just love running along, having a little chat, like we are. <laughs> this is my best, you know, this is like a day out for me. <laughs> you are just the smiliest, happiest person. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That was the problem actually on SAS. Everyone was like, do you ever not smile? <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't want to show too much. I'm constantly like, yes, I'm loving my life. They're like, no, 
what, we want pain. The, what, what's the worst challenge on there? Was it going in the ice pool? I don't really like cold water. Yeah. So getting in cold water, I'm not a fan, but it literally takes your breath away. Like, it's, you know when you get into cold water anyway and you go, oh, like that? Yeah. But it's that times a million. Like, you're gasping and you're like, and it is all because of shock. It's shock. It's not because you're cold. Your body's like, what is going off? And you have to take a moment to breathe and get your breath back. And once you do that, you feel fine. But yeah, I don't really like cold water. Well, as we come to the yeah. end of our run. Which is perfect, because I need toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I always need the toilet when I run. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much for having me. Where can people follow you? Is it best on Instagram? Um, yeah, Instagram's probably the best place. It's esme underscore LDN. And for motivational talks, still on there? Yeah, yeah, and I always sort of like post what I'm doing and where I'm going to be, so yeah. Excellent, well there I'm you go guys. Anyway. Um, I hope you enjoyed that run chat and I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference and I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then... Thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show.